Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio after another 24 hours of thunder, lightning, fire, brimstone, dark, stormy clouds and that was just over Jeremy Corbyn's house. The leader of the opposition is feeling battered and bruised this morning after an excoriating and excruciating expose of his feeble character yesterday by the new Prime Minister Boris Johnson who so infuriated the Labour front bench they were literally speechless. John McDonnell could not believe his ears and everybody, quite frankly, from east to west, from north to south, all over the place was basically saying, no wonder Theresa May was so awful. She made Jeremy Corbyn actually look halfway decent. Boris Johnson uh, is going to be kicking this guy around for quite some time. Today, the dust has settled and it gives us all a chance to look back at the last 48 hours, the most dynamic we've seen in three years of Tory rule, thanks to a massive injection of humour, intelligence and sheer determination from Boris and his new cabinet, specifically Jacob Rees-Mogg, who's clearly far too clever for everyone else in the chamber. He had a couple of very funny moments yesterday as well, which we will hear. This morning, uh, because of no particular relation. Uh, we are speaking to his sister Anunziata Rees-Mogg, Brexit Party MEP for the East Midlands. We'll find out what she's made of Boris's first 48 hours in power and why Nigel Farage doesn't trust his vote-leave guru, Dominic Cummings, a man uh, who is already shaking up the place in Downing Street. But as ever, we want to hear from you as well. We are fast becoming the voice of the people on this radio station as more and more people realise that politics doesn't have to be depressing. If you listen to talk radio, you can join in. You can get positive. You can have your views heard. You will not be belittled. You will not in any way uh, be made to look a fool. Uh, we will in fact embrace you and ask you to give us your view on everything. If you've never called this show before, please do it today. 0344 499 1000. Coming up later on we'll be investigating just what went wrong with all the trains just because it got a bit warm. As I said to Julia Hartley Brewer it's nothing to do with the weather, it's to do with the idiots that run the trains. They can't run them in winter. They can't run them in the summer. They can't run them in the spring. They can't run them in the autumn. Leaves on the line. It's too cold. The tracks are frozen. The tracks are too hot. The tracks are too wet. Really? We're going to be told that we can't get anywhere because of the weather? What an absolute disgrace. Also, because it's Friday, it's time for another sparkling edition of the Perrier Awards. An homage to my brilliance in broadcasting, delivered once more this week with a twist. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. It's Britain's the fastest Independent Republic radio station. Of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Over the course of this week, we've had some fantastic calls. Uh, one particular call from Lorraine in Chelmsford yesterday has been doing the rounds on Twitter, and everybody loves it. She put into uh, effect, basically, the way that everybody feels about Boris Johnson and the way that he is approaching Brexit, the difference that uh, everybody's feeling because he's not Theresa May, because he's not tired, because he's not bored, because he's not turgid, because he seems to be galvanised, and he seems to want to get out of the European Union on October the 31st. However, his plan was dealt a bit of a blow last night in Europe when the European Union basically said we are not renegotiating the backstop, we are not renegotiating the withdrawal agreement. I'm afraid what you see is what you get and it ain't going to change. So whether that is going to make any difference to Boris, whether he is claiming uh, that he wants to change the agreement in order to know that he won't get that and he will end up in fact with a no deal remains to be seen. Let's talk to Anunziata Rees-Mogg who is of course Brexit Party MEP for the East Midlands. Anunziata, very good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. Welcome to the show, and may I just say thank you very much indeed for the very kind things you said about us on Twitter yesterday. Oh, it was a great programme, and um, the lady from Chelmsford made the absolutely crucial point that Leave voters really did know what they were voting for, and all they've needed all this time is a leader who will enact exactly what we did vote for, to leave the customs union, to leave the single market, to leave the ECJ. Um, and I think she, like many, has been given hope 
but we're not there yet. We are not there yet, and that's the part I want to talk to you about because, of course, Boris Johnson has given an incredible shot in the arm to those people who did vote to leave the European Union. I think people now feel much more confident than they ever felt uh, under Theresa May for the previous three years. But the question is, as you say, can he deliver it? Or is he playing some kind of game of attempting to make the uh, EU move? And if they don't move, then he goes with no deal. I think uh, that at this point, the deadline is so tight, would we on 97 days now, that he's got to try every tactic in the book because he has promised, do or die, we will leave on the 31st of October. And whether that is with his preference of a deal or no deal, I think if he goes back on his word... British politics is in real trouble. It really is in real trouble. And Nigel Farage, uh, the Brexit Party leader, has been talking about this as well. He's not entirely certain uh, about the appointment that uh, that Boris Johnson has made. He's not entirely sure uh, exactly what uh, uh, it's going to work out at. And he said it was a good start to name some of the members of the Cabinet. Uh, But Mr Cummings, not so much. I I think um, Dominic Cummings is a bit like Marmite. Um, People think he's a great guru. People think he's a, a, an absolute snake. And there's very little in between. Yeah. Um, I don't know him, but it's clear he did a good job uh, with Vote Leave. It depends how well-focused he is, how well-controlled he is, because he's uh, one of those people who, it would appear, is very full of ideas and can get slightly sidetracked. So he is going to need very strong management, probably by Boris directly, given how senior... Dominic Cummings' position. Yeah, because Steve Baker's already kind of making noises about the fact that if this guy's around, he doesn't feel as though he can really be the proper Brexit secretary and all of that. You know, he, I mean, I, I would forgive me for making light of it, but whenever I see Dominic Cummings, he looks to me like a figure straight out of Central Castle from the thick of it. He just, you know, he dresses like one of those trendy guys that suddenly gets brought in and has people in think pods and, you know, trying to come up with different ways of approaching politics. And he does give that impression of, a, of an absolute obsessive. I, I agree, and um, he is certainly also a bit of a maverick. Yeah. And sometimes those ideas appear to be genius, and sometimes they seem to very much misfire, that falling out with the whole of the ERG seems an unwise tactic for any Leave uh, supporter, that falling out with Nigel Farage um, as uh, Vote Leave versus Leave EU totally did... Uh, again, it seems like not great tactics when you've got a united cause to fall out with your own side. Yes, exactly right. And I mean, as far as what the uh, EU is behaving like at the moment, it's it's, it's great uh, for, for those of us who uh, don't see much of what happens in Brussels, for all of you MEPs to be there now for the Brexit Party, because there's so much information that we didn't know about, in, just in terms of the day-to-day running of the Parliament. It is quite an extraordinary place that everything is basically stitched up behind closed doors. The the systems are so alien to what happens in the UK that it's actually quite hard to express how different they are and how untransparent they are, that everything is decided in closed rooms, in committees, uh, and then presented as a a fait accompli that's a yes or no, just as um, Ursula von der Leyen was uh, put to us as it's her or her. And uh, me and the Brexit Party voted against her because she is a clear Eurofederalist who wants to delay Brexit. And that isn't good for the British people. But it's not like we could choose anyone else for that role. 
it's yes or no. Yes, exactly right. And she's also indicated, and, and this is where it always gets a bit puzzling for those of us watching from the outside, she's indicated that she would in, be more than happy to extend another deadline of October the 31st, which Boris Johnson clearly doesn't want to do. He's already announced that they won't be appointing uh, a UK commissioner to the European Parliament as well, which I think is a good step in the right direction. Absolutely. But, you know, are they going to try and come at us, if you like, from various different sides? Are they going to try and play good cop, bad cop? Uh, totally. And they're going to try and use the appalling um, arithmetic of the positions of the MPs in Parliament to uh, undermine Boris Johnson's position. And I think looking at what a majority of two with the DUP, um, potentially one, depending on uh, results of the next by-election, that Boris's position is very difficult, that Although Article 50 was triggered, and in law we will leave on the 31st of October, there's a lot of trouble that Parliament can cause. And with the current numbers, uh, that could prevent anything happening. If he calls a snap election, well, the Brexit Party are waiting to sweep up all his Remainer M MPs who have betrayed their electorate. And what do you make of all of the, uh, the sort of the noise around um, the, all of these events, I suppose, that's being kicked up by the likes of Carol Cadwallader, uh, by the likes of, you know, the Electoral Commission giving, uh, uh, being, being taken to the cleaners by Darren Grimes? I mean, it does seem to be a kind of a move in the right direction, if you'll pardon me saying that as a, as a phrase that not a lot of people will think is, is entirely uh, neutral. I'm not claiming to be neutral, but what I'm saying is, is that, you know, we are moving, well, it feels as if we moved closer to Brexit in the last three days than in the last three years? I think we have. I think for the first time in three years, we've got a leader who has made it clear he actually believes in Brexit. Uh, I think it's a great shame that we had uh, Theresa May essentially wasting our country's time and giving us such huge uncertainty for the last 36 months that now there is some kind of clarity at the top. It's clear that there are ways forward. There are, are different options, and we don't yet know which ones will be taken, whether it is a snap election, whether it is no deal, whether it is a renegotiation. These are all still on the table. But at least there is a, a vision of going ahead. And I think the great thing about Boris Johnson's speech last, uh, yesterday was that it's optimistic. And that's what the Brexit Party have been. We're great Britain. We can be better and better. And if we're free to look out to the rest of the world, not trapped by the sclerotic European economies, then the future really can be ours. Finally, we're actually hearing that message. The problem is that Boris Johnson has got all the baggage of the Conservative Party. He's got the Lords against him. He's got half his MPs against him. It's a difficult position to be in. He's got the civil servants trying to undermine him, as we know they were Theresa May. Exactly. And what about the Brexit Party's stance on how far he is kind of going to be endorsed by the Brexit Party, if you like? You know, like how far... There are some who think that Boris is in it for a deal if he can get one. Um, will he have to water down his own beliefs in order to, to, to get some kind of deal that he can get through Parliament? Do you have a sort of red line? I, I'd hate to use those words as well, but do you guys have a red line as to whether you'll support something that he does or something uh, where you don't support it? I think the proof of the pudding is in the eating and that Boris um, is a great one for rhetoric and bluster. But until we know exactly what is going to happen, uh, I don't think anyone in the Brexit Party would make any commitment to any support whatsoever. I, uh, the problem with politics goes beyond <coughs> Brexit. And whilst that is the most pressing issue, I think there are a lot of other things that need to be sorted out, and that's what the Brexit Party intend to do, whether it is the civil service, whether it is the House of Lords. 
And we've got to look to the bigger picture. The, the rebalancing of the economy to the regions is crucial that there are too many people who have been left behind. And there's talk of pacts and whatever. But the, the end goal is to make sure we leave the European Union on the 31st of October. If there's not an election, there's no pact. No, indeed. And what about the Brexit Party's manifesto? Much was made of that during the European elections where people said, well, why don't the Brexit Party have a, uh, a manifesto? Uh, to which some wags would have said, well, that's because no political party actually does what it says in the manifesto anyway. Uh, but are you getting one together for the possibility of a general election? And do you think there might be one before the end of the year? We are planning policies, absolutely. Uh, will it be presented as exactly a manifesto? Quite possibly not, because, as you say, both the main parties, the, the historic parties, went back on their manifestos of 2017. So they've been so undermined that kind of what is the point? But what we're doing is uh, producing policies in conjunction with our supporters across the country, regional policies, national policies, international policies, for the European elections, we of course had, a, a, an, in effect, a manifesto. It was to leave on the 31st of October, come what may. We're still fighting for that. We will keep Boris's and the rest of his new cabinet's feet to the fire to make sure that is the most likely outcome. And it is really a difference of, 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 of chalk and cheese, isn't it, to have a cabinet who not only believe in Brexit, but actually uh, apparently sort of make almost a chant once a week about it and say, we will leave by uh, October the 31st. I don't think you can overestimate how important that is. It, it's, it's crucial, but it doesn't guarantee it will happen. Mm. And that's why we're still fighting and will continue to, that it's our job and millions of people having voted for us with our pledge to try and get us out. It's our job to hold them to account, to make sure they actually do what they're saying, and that this isn't yet more flim-flam from political leaders who, who quite like getting votes and popularity, but don't actually like delivering. Yes, quite. And uh, Parliament closed down yesterday. We were there for the final day uh, in the blazing heat of 38.8 degrees it or something like that. 24 hours to get back from Brussels. I know it too well. <laughs> exactly right. So what happens for you guys over the summer? Because there are some parts of the European Union that operate, but not many. Uh, no, it's uh, pretty much on shutdown. Um, you won't be surprised to know that uh, leading the way is the, uh, the French, who, who do not think August is a month of work at all. <laughs> um, but that's true of quite a lot of the European Union countries. Um, it, there is plenty of work going on behind the scenes, and there's also an election to plan for. Mm. And we're not letting up for a second that there's a lot that needs to be done in British politics to change it for the better, to improve the outlook for the whole country. And we're there ready to do it. And there absolutely is so much to do. Nunziata, thank you so much. Have a lovely weekend. And Nunziata Rees-Mogg uh, talking to us there, having got back from Brussels, uh, but having taken an awfully long time to do so. Because don't forget, we are in the midst of some kind of climate emergency, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but for some reason, it seems to be affecting the trains more than anything else. You can't go anywhere. You can't uh, travel from point A to point B uh, because the rails are too hot, apparently. And there's some fires by the sides of the tracks. You know, in the winter, you can't travel very far either because the points freeze uh, and you can't get anywhere near uh, the parts of the train to warm them up. Of course, in the spring, you can't go anywhere either because there are an awful lot uh, of uh, floods that happen. Uh, lots of trees fall down because there's too much rain. And in the autumn, you can't go anywhere because there's too many leaves on the line. Is anyone starting to think it's not the climate, it's the actual trains? 
0344 499 1000 is the number. Let's get all of your calls on. Let's get all of you on before the end of this show today because we are the fastest growing radio show uh, in the world right now. So join us, ring us, call us. If you haven't spoken to us before, this is the Independent Republican, Mike Graham. Welcome. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Well, wouldn't you know it, uh, here we are in uh, what is being called the hottest week of the year so far. Uh, it certainly was very warm yesterday, up to about 38 degrees in some parts of the southeast of England. Uh, and there were problems tra- travelling by train because it was so hot. There were fires by the side of the track up near St Pancras. Uh, there were all sorts of uh, delays and cancellations to various train services. Apparently today, it's not getting much better because lots of railway lines are closed. Lots of flights are being delayed because all the trains and the planes are in the wrong places. Let's talk to our man Simon Cole. Travel editor of the Independent, travel guru uh, of everyone that needs to know anything about travelling. Simon, a very good afternoon to you. Oh gosh, look, I'm so sorry to be the voice of travel, do Mike, but um, I'm afraid the latest casualty in the transport carnage that we've seen over the busiest weekend of the year are Eurostar services between London, St Pancras International, and Paris. Yes, uh, they have just uh, left the station. It's chaos. They just cancelled two trains, um, which I understand to be fully booked. Uh, this is due to an overhead power issue, not in the UK, but just yes. outside the uh, station at Paris Gare du Nord. Yes. Um, as a result, they're telling people don't travel unless it's absolutely necessary. And the same thing goes indeed for yeah. pretty much every other. I love it, and I know, I know that you're you're a man of some compassion, so you probably won't join me in condemning Eurostar because things go wrong. But I I love it when they say please don't travel unless it's absolutely necessary. Why do you think people are travelling? Just because of nothing better to do? Oh, I know. I'll just go down to Eurostar, hop on the train and pop over to Paris for a while. Oh, I'll tell you what, it's not necessary. I won't go now. Uh, no. I mean, what, what they're trying to say is, look, if you're a really nice person, uh, which of course you are, um, then why don't you... Um uh, make room for people who desperately need to travel, and we'll we'll get you there sometime. Well, you'd be well, you'd be surprised at how nice I'd become, Simon, when I get offered an incentive not to travel. <laughs> I.e., here's a free ticket to Eurostar to use any time you like to Paris and yeah. back any time next year. That's the kind of thing they should be doing. But instead, what we get is this kind of intransigence from the railway companies, and I'm not talking about Eurostar in this instance, but others who are refusing to refund people's uh, tickets and season tickets, even though they cancelled half the train services. Well, yes, I, I haven't got to the bottom of this, I'm afraid, mm. and so I can't sort of comment, but yeah, the good rules are very clear. If somebody offers you a service, whatever it is, and they can't deliver it, then you get your money back. Um, and, and so I will look into it more, but uh, I, I can't imagine that that, uh, uh, that, that idea that, um, oh, well, um, you... you uh, you can't get your money back because we warned you um, it was going to be a horrible day, so yeah. serves you right. I can't see that that is going to work um, uh, in the court of public opinion for very long. Um, and I dare say our new transport secretary, Grant Shapps, may even have something to say about that. Well, he's certainly got to say something about um, the state of the infrastructure. Here. I think he's going to have to because I'm not buying, as I'm sure you're not, the statements that came out yesterday from some train companies in which they were trying to suggest that the reason why we have these particular problems in hot weather and in cold weather is because we have to deal with both extremes where most countries which are hot don't have to. Well, that is blatant nonsense.
nonsense. You know, I, I travel, as you do, to North America, where the trains run all the time, whether it's snowing and whether it's blazing hot heat that they get in New York every single summer. And, you know, it's wrong to say that we have to deal with both and therefore are, are somehow unique in the world, because that's simply not true. Yeah, um, it's all a question of investment. And actually, I think the best exemplar is probably the Trans-Siberian Railway. Yes. Uh, in a country not noted for its uh, great infrastructure, but um, they keep it running 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, from temperatures as low as minus 40 up to plus 30. And they do that by having invested a huge amount of money in it and by doing lots of uh, maintenance work as, as it goes from summer to winter and, and back again. So... Uh, it's uh, yeah, we could do that as a nation. We choose not to. Just the same as you mentioned, the airports are uh, all, all in complete meltdown at Gatwick and East Row at yeah. the moment. And that's because um, we, as a country, decide we're not going to kind of um, invest too much in airport infrastructure. Mm. Um, we have a system which we extract a ridiculous amount of capacity from most of the time. Sometimes, though, when things go wrong, it just unravels very, very quickly and everybody gets very upset, I'm afraid. It's true. I must admit, I was quite um, uh, irritable yesterday, you might be surprised to know, no, because I had to go and I had to go pick my kids up from Gatwick, right? Now, the problem yeah. with Gatwick, to me, is you get on the M23 and it's got roadworks and it's got roadworks yeah. and narrow lanes and more roadworks, there's nothing seemingly being done but it's been like that for as long as I can remember. When you get to the off-ramp uh, for, the, for the, the slip road to go to Gatwick in either direction, it's got a sign that you'd be lucky to see if you had binoculars from about three feet away. It's a tiny sign. I mean, heaven forbid that you're uh, a tourist not knowing really much about the mm. road system, returning a rental car. You would never find the place. Exactly. You know, I, th I think the poor old uh, new transport secretary is going to have to come in and get a bit of a grilling from you, Mike, about that. Um, no, there's, there's so many things that could be uh, uh, better about transport in this country. Um, and it might be that actually since we've seen such a ridiculous uh, meltdown of the system that um, we, we might ultimately say, um, OK, we're not going to do that anymore. Let's um, uh, invest a few more billion pounds. But I'll tell you what, um, I, I've just been cycling through central London. There are uh, tens of thousands of motorists caught up in what seems to be a uh, permanent traffic jam who are thinking, well, you've got billions of pounds to spend. Sort out this lot. Well, exactly right. Exactly right. Pay because more of, money into the railways. Because, I mean, we understand when I think you're, uh, you're at an airport and there's a thunderstorm and obviously things are then affected by that. And it seems as though there's quite a lot of thunderstorms in the offing for the next few days. So that's always going to be tricky. But when, yeah. you've, but when you're cancelling, you know, planes for other reasons because you can't get them to point from point A to point B or something like that, it just it seems to affect us more than it affects anybody else. We had a guy on just now uh, who was trying to get to Antibes uh, and his colleague from Spain was able to get there despite the 40-degree temperature because the trains there still work. Well, yeah, I mean, they have had some some problems and bear in mind that, oh, let's go back to the airports, um, poor old Amsterdam Schiphol, which has got, I think, six runways compared with Heathrow's yeah. Um, what well, on Wednesday night going into Thursday, they cancelled 250 flights because they had a problem with fueling. Okay. Um, stuff just happens in travel, I've noticed, and it's um, really aggravating when it does. Mm. Uh, and it's just particularly bad because this weekend, of course, uh, tens of thousands of people desperate to get away. They've worked really hard for it. And they're now, well, here we are. I've just seen the latest two cancellations at... Um, uh, Heathrow, Valencia and Lisbon, those are fresh cancellations. The number, I think, is now creeping up to about 70 
cancellations to and from Heathrow. Goodness me. Um, Arthur, Misery, Dusseldorf, there's another one, not a great uh, holiday spot at this time of the year. Oh, but Heathrow to Malaga, the 340 there has just gone. Um, yeah, awful. And how, um, and how good are the airlines getting at actually giving people information? Because the other thing that people always complain about is if they can't find out what's happening and they don't have any clue as to whether or when the, tr the, the flight is actually going to take off. They line well, around uh, at the airport is a nightmare. Yeah, um, well, look, that's why British Airways actually proactively cancelled about 50 flights overnight. It's just they send you a text. So you wake up at sort of four o'clock in the morning and they yeah. send you a text saying, bing, tell you what, Mike, you thought you were going to Nice. Well, you're not anymore. Um, but I think <laughs> you know. And then they'll offer you uh, rebooking options. The trouble is this weekend, everything is at full stretch. And I, uh, I, I have no idea when people are going to get where they, they need to be. It's a miserable situation. It really is. And then we've got some BA strikes to, to come in the summer as well on top of that. Well, um, it's quite, quite possibly we might have some um, uh, some uh, strike with the pilot. That at the moment can't happen before the 13th of August. The uh, uh, boss of the pilot union told me that. So at the moment we're we're kind of um, we're two and a half weeks away from that. Worry about that. The nearer it comes, I've just heard that British Airways is going back to court on Tuesday to try to get that um, uh, that the get an injunction against the pilot going on strike, We, I will, of course, let you know what happens there. Of course. Simon, well, thank you very much indeed. Simon Calder, uh, travel editor of The Independent, a man... Uh, if, you, if you knew more about travel than Simon Calder, uh, I wouldn't believe that you actually were indeed a human being. He knows everything there is to know about travel, and unfortunately, he's bringing us a more bad news today. Flights being cancelled all over the place, trains being cancelled. If you're trying to get over to Paris on the Eurostar, that ain't happening. They've just cancelled two uh, trips there as well, two trains full of people. It is a complete and utter shambles, I tell you. And, I mean, it's all very well to say, oh, it does happen from time to time. It does happen in other countries. It all seems to happen here. And it all seems to happen at the busiest time. If you're listening to this show and you're sitting on the floor at an airport or you're trying to get somewhere on a train, by all means call us and tell us what it's like. A mid-morning dance with the devil. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. It's Friday, it's 12.34, it's time for this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Perrier Awards. Nice new music there for us for the Perrier Awards, happening every Friday, of course, live here uh, from uh, the Talk Radio Studios, high above the Thames, uh, close to the thunderclouds. And I'm delighted to say that Martin Maligon uh, is now joining us once more, the producer of the show today and the uh, producer of the show on many days uh, mm -hmm. when Con Mendes can't manage to make it in. Well, he's part-time, isn't he? He is part-time. I think he's on some kind of a um, you know youth employment scheme or something like that where they say you can't overwork yourself because it might be bad for your snowflake mentality or something like that. <laughs> I think I think you might be absolutely right. Yes. Well, so here we are. Welcome to the studio. Thank you so much for all your hard work today. Thank you very much. And you've uh, you've to... done really well as well. well Have done. I? Have I yeah. done well again? Oh, that's yeah. always good. Yeah. This is when, of course, I get all sorts of prizes for my brilliance <clears> in broadcasting because <throat> we've got a lot of new listeners who might not know what the Perrier Awards are. Named, of course, for Katie Perrier, mm -hmm. uh, who used to sit here on a Friday and present them to me. 
Correct. So we we kept the name. Anyway, shall we get shall we get on? Let's do this. Let's do um, it. Welcome to the Period Awards. Thank you. This is where we go back over the past week of the so-called Independent <laughs> Republic of Mike Graham and choose our favorite moments. This week also hosted by me. Yes. Talk Radio's newly appointed Prime Minister. <laughs> and you will have noticed, as you were saying, that Cornelius is absent. Uh, let me explain that. That's because uh, as Prime Minister, my first executive decision has been to reshuffle him. Good. And I've sent him to the back benches. Very good idea. My Bring him back next week. Why not? We'll see. I don't know. Anyway, let's begin. As it's yes. tradition, Mike, you win the first parrier, and it's a classic impression of the week. You're going to get wound up by an awful lot of Remaini types coming out of the Tory uh, government saying, we can't possibly stay here any longer because we don't <laughs> like Boris. Uh, he's a nasty man. He's horrible. <laughs> he's horrible. It's horrible. They do sound like that, some of them, though. But they do sound like that, but, you know, you might have got a little bit of like... Maybe. Well, apologies. OK, next. Next, uh, breakfast presenter Julia Hartley-Brewer. Mm. She's picked up a few parries in, in the past, and earlier in the week she was interviewing Joe Swinson after she became uh, the leader of the Lib Dems, and unfortunately, both of them, they became the victims of the technical failure of the week. You said you believe the future of the UK should lie in the EU, and you said, I will do... <laughs> Hello? <laughs> now, can, you, can you hear me? I'm sorry, the line just went down. I do apologize. That, that happened to me, didn't it? Because remember, we yes. had, in fact, we went off the air. We went off the result, air. And the final, <laughs> the, all the final thing that anybody could hear was hello. People actually thought I died, <laughs> which was horrendous. People were like t- tweeting in. One, somebody actually tweeted my daughter to say, is your dad all right? Oh, because God. he just stopped talking. Well, that was very dramatic because well, that was like <laughs> 10 or 12 minutes before I know. the end of the show, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was absolutely horrendous. I remember I put it in the podcast yes. and someone left a review saying, uh, this podcast has not been edited properly. <laughs> That was so the boss, probably, right? Maybe, well, I don't I, know. Well, I sympathise with you, uh, Julia, because it's happened to me as well. Listen, it happens to all of us, it but does. she dealt very well with it. She did. Anyway, friend of the show and rail feature campaigner Bruce Williamson wins this week's parrier for delivering the harsh comment of the week. And you can use green energy to power your trains and, and, and travel without guilt and without pollution. And I think it's the way to go. And it's something that the, you know, with the various different taxations... I don't, that, by the way, can I just tell you, I don't suffer from guilt in any way. So that's not a selling point to me. Well, that's because that's you're inhuman, Mike. But most people... <laughs> it's not very nice. <laughs> you just got to slip that one in. Yeah. Inhuman. Inhuman. I've never been killed that before. Well, add that to the list. First time for everything. It's a long list, Inhuman. Isn't it? mm. It's not nice. No, not very nice. Uh, I'll tell you what's been nice, though. For the last um, three days, mm. we've been broadcasting live from Westminster. Yes. And that's given us very good moments. We're going to go through all of them And a bit of a tan as well. Oh, goodness me. You, you've had a tan. I'm just sunburned. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I've got to say, I've had a lot of fun on College Green, but I'm really, really happy I'm not having to put layers of sunscreen yeah. on myself it's every true. 10 minutes. I know. I'll tell you what. Anyway, let's race through all the Paris from Westminster. And we're going to begin with uh, the caller, um, Gary in Bournemouth, who wins the Paris for the question that could have been but never was. Uh, Paul Scully is here, Tory MP. Uh, Gary's in Bournemouth. Gary, do you want to ask uh, Paul a question? Um, no, I didn't, actually. <laughs> I wanted to speak okay. to you. About, okay, um, isn't it? Well, you can ask me a question if you want. You get the MPs <laughs> down into the tent and you give them the opportunity to have uh, members of the public call in mm-hmm. and ask them questions. Gary didn't want to ask him He one. didn't want to. And you know what? He's got the right to do that. He has, He's absolutely. Got, yeah, yeah, this is as much your show as it is mine, so you guys can dictate the policy if you wish. Exactly. We'll see how that goes. Sorry, Paul. 
Um, That's but, all right. So he didn't have a question for you. <laughs> Another time, I'm Another sure. Another time. Uh, Conservative MP Bob Seeley also yeah. uh, came down to the tent and picks up the period for acronym of the week. Um, on Toby's point, I would actually call it, um, uh, it's a political version of IBS, so Irritable Boris Syndrome. Um, <laughs> but it's much the same. <laughs> I do like that, Irritable Boris Syndrome. Very I'm good. Not, I'm not sure I do, though. You don't. Well, you don't want to suffer from it, but uh, it's a good name. It is a good name. Mm. Um, 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 anyway, it's. I, I've just noticed, by the way, I'm gonna. I'm gonna be completely honest and candid about this. Okay. I, I've asked our studio manager to print the script for me. Have you? And he's only given me the first two pages. Oh right. So, so does I'm, he need I, to bring you the third page? I'm, I might need someone to bring me the third oh, page. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> Listen, this is not your fault. You know, sometimes the system fails. Sometimes it's not always easy uh, to make sure you've got the page that you require. Thank uh, you very luckily, much. Luckily, uh, we found one of the work experience boys <laughs> to bring it in for you. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, this, this should be a parry for next it week, shouldn't it? Uh, another parry for you, Mike, and I think we've got the extreme heat on College Green to blame for this one. Congratulations, you gave us the wrong fact of the week. Because Boris Day 1 yesterday was exciting enough, today is going to be even more exciting because by the end of this show, Boris Johnson is going to become the fifth Prime Minister of this country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you see, the thing is, do you know the truth behind that is I'd meant to say the fifth Prime Minister this century. But the uh. reason that uh, we'd got ourselves all in a tiz was because we were trying to rush out the mm. message because that bloke with the loud hailer, who's supposedly been banned <laughs> from shouting, but No Brexit! every five minutes, yeah. uh, is still doing it. Still there. And he kept interrupting. So he kind of put me off my stride. So slight apologies for that. Anyway, it's fine because uh, I'm here to uh, correct that Thank mistake. You. Yes. And uh, FYI, according to the government website, mm -hmm. uh, Boris Johnson is the 77th, 77th Prime Minister. Now, see, that's an interesting number, isn't it? That's a mm -hmm. good number to be, 77. I do have to say that that's what the government says. Wikipedia says he's the uh, 101. Really? So I've gone with a... Uh, maybe maybe there's, it could be that some people have had more than one term, and so that's why maybe, they're calling yes. them, you know... So technically speaking, he's the 100, 101, did you say? Mm -hmm. So it could be 101 prime ministers that have been elected, but some Correct. of them have been elected more than once. You see? See, this, this is, is why, why you're on this show. This yeah. is why you're on this show. Thank you. Um, I'll tell you who doesn't like wrong facts, though. Uh, Who's that? That's Conservative MP in front of the show, uh, Andrew Bridgen. Yes. When you gave us another incorrect fact, uh, he didn't let you get away with it. <laughs> and put in a completely new team uh, with people like Dominic Raab, uh, who is going to be new Foreign Secretary. Uh, we've got Sajid Javid as new Home Secretary. Uh, we've got a whole bunch of Chancellor people. Of the uh, Chancellor of the Exchequer. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was the Home Secretary, so that was how I was easily confused. I, I mean, I, I, get I think it. it's that music that makes me confused, maybe. It's great music, though. I really it is like very it. good. It is. I really like it. And we get to listen to it so much. We're so lucky. We are. I'll tell you who uh, is very lucky as well that's our political editor, Ross Kempsell. Ross Kempsell, hardest working man in showbiz. I, I think he's been sleeping in the tent for three days. I, I think, think he might, might still be there. He could be there. Somebody but should check. I don't know. Yeah, someone come and find Ross if he's okay. Uh, he joined us uh, for most of um, all the shows, but um, especially for uh, Theresa May's uh, last PMQs on Wednesday. Now, uh, Ross is normally right about what politicians yes. think or what they're going to say, but not this time. Congratulations, Ross. You win a period for the wrong guess of the week. <laughs> she, she's still on backbenchers questions. In fact, she might be saying something now. A modern industrial strategy. It is a modern industrial strategy which okay. is setting, still the modern industrial uh, strategy, but <laughs> <laughs> we don't care about this. Move no. on. Well, it is quite difficult, isn't it? Because when you're outside, mm. you're watching from afar. Uh, you're kind of there's a bit of a, a monitor going on. You're trying to figure out what it is that's being said. You have to take part. Sometimes you just get lucky, 
and yes. you hit the right uh, vein and you go in at the right time. Yeah, well, Ross... But not that time. Not that time. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Sorry, Ross. Um, well, one more person that came down to attend was uh, from a Deputy Prime Minister, Lord Michael Hazeltine, and he picked up a parrot for disagreement of the week. Mm. They were told they'd get 350... No. Yes. Incorrect. Well, well you can't, yeah, no, it's not incorrect. It may be a difference of opinion, but it's a fact. You see, it can't be a difference of opinion and a fact, can it? That's, I didn't pick him up on that, but you know, at the end of the day, <laughs> it's either a fact or it's not a fact. It's not a difference of opinion. The thing is, like, if you picked everyone on little things like this, like yes. the show would be five or six hours. It wouldn't be three. I know. Well, some people want it to be five or six hours. I'm not one of them. No, me neither. No. I've, I've got things to do. I've got naps to take, <laughs> especially after this week. Exactly right. Anyway, moving away from College Green now, we're going to give Julia Hartley Brewer another... Perrier. This Two is, for her this week. Well, I'll tell you what, she's been doing really well. Yeah. This is fresh from this morning mm. because um, I believe uh, she was speaking to the new leader of the house, Jacob rees Oh, yes. Or was she? Absolutely, it was. Well, let's talk to Jacob rees rog Mog. Sorry, right now. I'm sorry, Jacob, getting your name wrong. That's great, Jacob rees Rog. Bless it's good, her. It's a good name. It's a good name, but yeah. it's very difficult. It's very difficult. It um, is. <clears throat> now, this is my big moment. Yes. As I mentioned earlier, mm. I've appointed myself Prime Minister Quite of right. Talk Radio. But how long for is the question? I don't know. Mm. We'll see. Okay. Be, anyway, I'm, I'm in charge now. And uh, my um, second executive decision after removing Cornelius from the cabinet is to create a new category for the Perry Rewards. Oh, good. Because on this show, we really appreciate our callers. We give them time to say what they think. As you were saying earlier, we don't undermine them. We don't make them look like fools. We just listen to them, sometimes agree, sometimes disagree yes. with them. So I think it's time to give them the recognition they deserve yes. for contributing to the show. I'm liking it. And um, this week, Lorraine in Chelmsford uh, yes. rang in to tell us how excited she is about Boris being the new PM. So congratulations, Lorraine. You've become our first caller of the week. Caller of the week. Oh, I've waited so long. I've waited so long. I love this country. I love the people of this country. And to hear someone say it, this is the greatest country, Mike. You know it. We all know it. And why? And what's wrong with saying it, by the way? And why should we be ashamed of it? Oh, I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of it. I love it. I love it. Pla Thank you, Boris. Let's fly. Let's fly. What a Very great, optimistic. That was a great call. I think I described it uh, as one of the greatest calls ever made to uh, a radio station ever yeah. in the history of Tour. And I think it is. I think, I it's think great. it is. People love the enthusiasm. They love the, the commitment that people are giving. And they love what Boris is making them feel like. Exactly. Can't yeah. be a bad thing. And we need more of that. And we need more people like her ringing us. We do. Telling us what they think. So, Absolutely yeah, right. I've, I've created this new category. I think that's a very good idea. Very good. I um, like it. Happy you're happy with that because um, finally mm -hmm. we've got the last pro award from today. It's yes. fresh from today's show. Because, Mike, every day since the show began, you've done um, three openers, yeah. right? One for the top of every hour. And every day, yeah. you've stuck to the script. Mm. This morning, however, yes. you decided to break all the rules, <laughs> which caused our confusion behind the glass. Did it? You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. It's Britain's the fastest independent Republic radio station. Mike Graham on Talk Radio. <laughs> For this, Mike, yes. um, I've made it my third executive decision yes. as Prime Minister of the Independent Republic okay. to award you the Perry Award for uh, Incompetence of the Week. <laughs> 
and I've printed a certificate. Thank you. Which says uh, incompetent, and I'm going to hand it to you. Thank you very much. Well, once Con comes back, of course, I won't have to worry about winning this because he'll get it every week, won't he? Oh, yeah, exactly. But yeah, I'll accept it this week, and I'm very sorry for uh, adding something in that I didn't tell you I was going to add in. That's okay. But it seems to have got lost in the music anyway, so nobody <laughs> yeah, heard no, that we are the fastest-growing radio station in the world, which is what I was saying, I think. Anyway. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's all for the Perry Awards. There'll be more next week. The Perrier Awards on Talk Radio. More gun talk from a water pistol from the farmer of fury. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Madness. Madness. They call it madness. 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 They call it madness. It's plain. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, 03444991000. I'm not sure I can carry on having been branded incompetent by my own producer. Uh, it's not the greatest end to the week, is it? After all the things we did, that's how it's going to stick with me uh, over time. Now, uh, some of you, of course, may be thinking that the reason it's so hot out there is because we're in a climate emergency. You might think that the reason you can't get a plane or a train uh, or get anywhere on Eurostar over to Paris is because... It's a climate emergency. You might think that, in fact, what we should all do is stop going anywhere by train, stop going anywhere uh, by plane, stop going anywhere at all uh, that might raise the prospect of global warming. However, uh, if you are in Extinction Rebellion, you will be in no doubt that, of course, that is the reason why uh, we're sweltering in the heat uh, and enjoying a rather nice summer, it seems to me. However, some of you might remember last week when Extinction Rebellion were blockading Bristol, Cardiff, uh, Glasgow, London, Leeds uh, and all sorts of other points north, south, east and west, uh, that there was a terrible story in Bristol where a young man, uh, un unfortunately, was unable to get to his father's deathbed because of an Extinction Rebellion blockade of the street. And uh, when the, the telephone call that he made to a local radio station was played to one of Extinction Rebellion's protesters, she was seen weeping crocodile tears when she said that she was really sorry. Her name was Zoe Jones. She cried when she heard that the man couldn't see his dying father. She said that she didn't really mean to affect his life in that way, but she said that she thought that they were doing the right thing. It now turns out uh, that Ms Zoe Jones has been, uh, shall we say, uh, something of a globetrotter up until now, up until the time that she became an Extinction Rebellion protester. There are photographs of her travelling on safari to Africa, uh, on holiday in New Zealand, on all sorts of ski slopes around the world. Now, I don't mind where she goes on holiday, but I do object to somebody who goes on holiday and then tells me that I can't do it. Let's talk to Stuart Weir, who might be just as outraged as I am. Stuart, a very good uh, afternoon to you. Welcome. Thank you, Mike. Yes, I mean, uh, you know, the, the, some of these protesters forget the fact that there is a, a positive and a negative, a yin and yang to every argument that you make. Yes. If, 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 there is a, if you put up a case for something, there is a knock-on effect. But the young lady in question, I think, maybe she has an excuse. She might have gone by bicycle or rowing boat to some of these exotic places and we don't know about it. Very unlikely. I think most, very unlikely, yes. I think she would have board, had her boarding pass and her suitcase packed up for these kind of, uh, these kind of excursions. And, and, I, and again, it, 
for me, it shows the hypocrisy of some of these people who uh, you know are involved. We had it a couple of weeks ago at Glastonbury, where you know people were protesting about climate change and using plastic. And then they had to put on an extra crew of, of bin lorries just to clear up the rubbish <laughs> that they've left behind them. Well, I mean, you not know, least, and also the Extinction Rebellion lot, one of our um, uh, listeners actually uh, got loads and loads of retweets because he managed to capture a picture of the Extinction Rebellion boat being towed through a, a petrol station in Cardiff after having <laughs> occupied the city centre for uh, a couple of days. Uh, and it was not only was it being uh, towed by a motor car, it was being towed by an old ro- a Land Rover Freelander, which turned out to have done 188,000 miles and is one of the most polluting vehicles on this planet. Yes. I mean, I was, I was at a party a, a couple of weeks back and um, someone was giving me a lecture as to driving diesel, diesel cars and the likes. Well, they ran about in a Citroen 2CV that dated back to 1984 and were trying to make the case that because their car was like 30 odd years old, they were more environmentally friendly than a car which from, that I had, which basically gave out zero emissions. So, you know, I, I, again, some of the people want to look at their facts before they start pontificating and preaching to the rest of the world. Well, exactly right. And, of course, Ms Jones here, uh, who was skiing as recently as 2017, uh, was asked by one of her um, uh, relatives whether she's going to give him any grandchildren anytime soon, and she says, oh, no, I'm too busy enjoying my life, I'm sorry. Uh, she also <laughs> uh, says that she's got wanderlust, you know, she's been to some of the finest parts of the world that some people can't afford to go to. She's obviously a sort of trustafarian type who's had a very privileged upbringing and is probably very well educated and now wants to tell all the oiks of this world, you know, you can't go anywhere. Plane, planes should only become a necessity and you should only be able to take a plane if you absolutely have to. It's a bit like I said to Simon Calder earlier. You know, we don't travel unless we absolutely have to. I don't just, you know, wander off to the Eurostar terminal and think, what should I do this afternoon? I know, I'll just jump on a, pl- I'll tr- jump on a train and go to Paris. I have felt that way a few times, though, I have to say. <laughs> but I might just leave it all behind. No, I mean, I mean, how dare one of our relatives actually talk about children? Because, of course, as we all know, children and, and humans are the actual problem on this planet. And there's too many of us, and they co- we cost too much to keep. And, and, I, and again, the overnight fix that somebody thinks of, of pulling a, a, a boat into a strategic point in Cardiff or, or Glasgow is going to cure all the ills. It might make you think about it, but only for five minutes until you actually realise that one, you're sweltering in a hot car, two, some of the, the, the lorry drivers and truckers were back beginning to see their refrigerated units overheat and suddenly they weren't actually serving any purpose whatsoever other than, other than to cause a, a great deal of confusion in city centres. So, you know, I do, I, I do wonder where their logic is in all of these things because, again, if you sat them down and asked them to put up a decent case, 90% of the time some of these people just don't have an argument. They're all middle-class trots. You know, we've seen them all before. And, of course, they only they only turn up. You know when the schools, have, the private schools have shut because that's when they start clogging up the city. But, Stuart, listen, uh, I'm going to have to drive around in a diesel car for a while, see if I can get some of this weather to change a little bit over the course of the next uh, few hours of the weekend. Uh, we've had a fantastic week again. Thank you for all of your calls. Thank you for all of your tweets uh, and all of your texts as well. Thank you to all of the new listeners. Thank you to all the old listeners. We'll have loads more for you coming up next week from 10 o'clock on Monday morning. We'll be here... Uh, so will you. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app.
If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.